Welcome to Rasa Stand, hosted by Flo. I give you history, political views, and current affairs to deal with La Raza. When I speak about the Raza, I'm talking about the brown, Spanish-speaking community. We are not monolithic. Therefore, you're going to hear a variety of different people speaking about different subjects. It is important to share our story. I'm the combination of book smart and street smart. And when I speak on something, I give you credible sources. Tune in. Cross the stand. Take a stand to understand. Cuba La Raza. This is Flo once again with another topic that is of much interest to myself. And this is the rise and fall of the Chicano movement. For those of you who have studied Chicano history, this might be familiar. But some of the things that I'm going to talk about are going to be some things that you might not know, right? So the things that you do know, obviously, are that the Chicano movement focused on attaining civil rights and political social inclusion uh, of Chicanos, right? And that, to me, was really important to distinguish because today the movement is a little different, right? We don't really think about inclusion or... um, assimilation when it comes to Chicanismo, right? And it started in the 1940s, uh, and you can say that by the 1970s it had already ended, and this is the first wave of the movement. A big reason why uh, people believe that the movement started in the 1940s was because the term Chicano was popularized in this time. Uh, Pachucos, uh, Zuzuters were the ones using the term Chicano, uh, for the most part, and they popularized the term. So in the next 20 years, uh, when the sons and daughters or even just other individuals who use the word Chicano began to use it, uh, it became a little more uh, popular. Because again, for those of you who do not know, Chicano was not a term that a lot of people like to use. Prior to that, it was actually a slur, not a slur, but, but an offensive term. Uh, in some cases, you know, it was uh, a way to to um, insult somebody who wasn't really a Mexican, right? Uh, But when this movement started, it wasn't something that began as a movement that people were, okay, we need a movement. It started in in individual pockets. And one of the first things that you saw with this was the land grants uh, with Reyes Lopez Tijerina uh, in New Mexico, right? And what he tried to do is he tried to restore the Spanish and Mexican land grants that were actually um, supposed to be protected under the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo when the United States took over the area. But obviously, the United States, when it comes to treaties, they never really honored them. And he wanted to do uh, his part in that. And obviously, the way he was doing it was not something that the government and those landowners in this area uh, approved of. And he, he, you know, he got arrested, if I'm correct. But anywho, that was really the, the, the one of the first um, signs of resistance from um, the 60s. Again, in the 40s, you had the Pachucos, Zuzu riots. Uh, but in the 60s, if you want to, if you want to say that's when it really took off, you you can say that Reyes Lopez Tijerina, Reyes Lopez Tijerina was the individual who kind of set that off. 
And then obviously in California, you had the farm workers' rights uh, movement, uh, those fighting for higher wages, but also a union, which was unheard of at the time for um, farm workers. And some people forget that a lot of these farm workers were actually Chicanos and Chicanas and also Filipinos uh, out there in the field. So it wasn't really uh, immigrants like we have today. As a matter of fact, uh, Chavez was actually anti-illegal immigration because of that, because they, they were messing up his strikes as well, guys. But eventually he, you know, recognized that his civil rights, uh, sorry, his uh, huelgas were really a civil rights movement. So he began to include immigrants as well who were continuing to suffer in the uh, field because essentially that's what the companies ended up doing, even though they did have some success in the uh, fields. Of course, companies, you know, cut corners and they hired undocumented folks and exported the crap out of them. So, you know, he began to understand that and tried to help them out before he, before he died. <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, in the late 60s, you had the Chicano blowouts, or Chicano walkouts, where you had students demanding higher education, uh, better education, because a lot of the students felt that they were basically being tracked to do uh, just manual labor or really not even graduate from school. So, you know, they fought for for better uh, schools, right? And obviously a lot of them, you know, were, were uh, faced, you know, terrible consequences in a sense that even those who had um, scholarships or uh, grants that were going to be given to them after graduation were, um, you know, facing the risk of possibly losing that. But if it wasn't for those folks, then a lot of people wouldn't have gone to universities, right? And at the same time, uh, while all these things were happening individually, once people, I guess, recognized that, you know, this was a movement that was taking place, the unifiers of those things were um, combating this discrimination because in all of these different pockets, that's really what it was. It was combating discrimination against uh, the government, against white supremacy, blatant racism. Obviously, at the time, it was no protection under the law for many people, or at least they didn't know how to exercise those rights. Uh, at the same time, they wanted to, uh, you know, have pride in their culture. They wanted to show that, right? So cultural, cultural uh, revitalization, because a lot of these folks were told that being Mexican or being Chicano was something to be ashamed, ashamed of, you know, and they chose to embrace that term and, and embrace the past of, of these people that they've had, right? Specifically, mestizaje. And I know today that's not something that's really... Um, you know, admired or even even uh, accepted. But back in the day, Chicanos and Chicanas were embracing the Mesisaje term, uh, which is one a reason why I also embrace it, because, you know, it goes back to that movement. Uh, today, it's a little different. We'll talk about that in a minute. Of course, the focus was also to empower the community. Uh, those who were successful were trying to help out those who needed some help. And for example, again, just the blowouts, you had individuals who were going to the schools and trying to assist or just show them the way, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, to help out young Chicanos and Chicanas, right? And like I said earlier with, with the Pachucos, they understood that they weren't 
really Mexican and not really American. So this Chicano term was supposed to represent something in the middle or I guess a combination of both. So they were rejecting assimilation. But at the same time, like I said earlier, this specific movement was focusing on attaining civil rights and political and social inclusion, right? So they were still, uh, they still saw themselves as part of the country and they deserve the rights just like every other American, even though they were Chicanos, right? And that's really what, what kept this movement together. For the most part, you know, it had success in the 60s all the way up to the 70s. And in the 70s, you had a couple of things that really began to affect the movement because the movement began to disintegrate. And what I mean by that is that you had little micro-movements happening within the movement. And one of those things that, that took place was feminism, right? A lot of the Chicano males who were um, leaders of the movement began to face a lot of criticism from females and from women, even other males at some point, because they were seen as, you know, oppressing the, the Chicanas in the movement because a lot of the times they were telling the women to, you know, they couldn't have these positions of leadership. Therefore, um, the women felt like they were being uh, oppressed. And the irony was that Chicanos were finding oppression, but according to the, to the feminist, uh, Chicana feminist, they were oppressing them. So that was one of the first, uh, you know, ways that the movement began to decline. As Chicana feminists began to challenge male, you know, uh, male Chicanos in the movement, they faced a lot of backlash, obviously, right? A lot of the times they were accused of being lesbians or, you know, just being part of the community. And even though some were, obviously, uh, that was a way to, you know, put them down and, and, and to... Um, you know, not be put in these leadership roles according to uh, to some of the books that I read. And then you add that layer of uh, LGBT, right? Because there were a lot of women who were, and not just women, but also men. And that was something that, for the most part, in Mexican culture and Chicano culture, was not really tolerated at the time in the 60s and 70s. So a lot of these, these uh, people who were uh, of that community did not feel accepted by the movement. So again, they began to separate themselves from the original Chicano movement and began to kind of just, you know, uh, still identify as Chicanos and Chicanas, but slowly uh, move away from the original uh, goal of the movement. And then obviously as young Chicanos beca became more uh, radicalized and, you know, went to conferences more specifically uh, led by, you know, Jorge Gonzalez, this is when you start hearing the ideas of Chicano nationalism, more specifically Aztlan, right? Um, because for the most part, again, Chicanos and Chicanas wanted to be part of the country. They wanted to be included just like every other American. But when this happened, they began to say, no, I don't want to be part of the United States. I want to have my own country because every culture, every ethnicity should have their own nation. So you started having people who wanted to reclaim the land back, take the land back, because according to them, you know, this land belonged to Mexico at one point, and a lot of them, you know, had ancestry in this land, so they felt that they were the rightful owners of the land. Um, and then farther from that, you started to have individuals who began to reject the term mestizo or mixed or even anything associated with Spanish culture, Hispanic culture, religion, whatever, and began to identify as indigenous. 
So that was another pocket that came out of the Islam movement. And also folks who fell in love with Marxism and socialism that were, you know, felt that that was a way to exist in a society, to, to be able to, to, to thrive because capitalism was not going to allow them to do that because capitalism is what basically put them in the place that they were. So they began to fall in love with that ideology, right? And lastly, of course, you cannot uh, not include the U.S. government because they had a huge role in trying to stop uh, this movement. And you had government informants who obviously were following, you know, leaders of the movement. And, but then you also had, you know, agent, agent uh, provocateurs, you know what I mean? Basically individuals who um, were infiltrating movements and identifying as Chicanas and Chicanas, but really were just there to try to disrupt the movement, specifically in organizations like the Brown, Brown Berets or just more radical groups. And they essentially would, you know, tell individuals to try to commit violent acts so they can arrest them. In some cases it worked, in some cases it didn't work, but that also contributed to the decline of the movement. And then lastly, uh, I would argue that the Chicano moratorium, right? Obviously that was the first time that Chicanos really gathered in such a big group to protest something. In this case, it was the war in Vietnam because Chicanos and Chicanas were dying at a higher rate than any other group. And when this happened, obviously, the, the, you know, um, there was supposedly a robbery and a liquor store. And then eventually the cops came and they began to uh, just hit people and, and, uh, and whatnot. And, and what really, uh, I think, caused a lot of fear in people was when Ruben Salazar, who had been a very respected individual in the community, was killed by the cops. And again, this is the 1970s. So uh, police brutality was definitely alive and well, and the majority of cops happened to be white. So um, this really scared a lot of people, I think, because even though it had been happening for a long time, I think a lot of folks were not really ready for, for that, especially because they were, not, they were not being violent. They were being peaceful. Uh, but overall, um, that is what I wanted to say about this, uh, this movement. Today, Chicanismo is not where it was. 50, 60 years ago, uh, and I say that because, again, the goal of the movement in the very beginning was to attain civil rights, political, and social inclusion, right? Today, it's all over the place. You have very different movements within the movement, and that's why there really is no unity with Chicanos, and if anybody's even using the term today, uh, you know, doesn't even agree with, with uh, there's, there's really no consensus with with the community, because again, you have, you know, Chicana feminists, you have the LGBTQ community, you have the Aslanistas, you have the Indigenistas, all of these different little movements uh, of Chicanos or, 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 or the brown community, whatever you want to call it, right? Because even the word Chicano is not really a term that a lot of people I would say would use unless they really, really identify with the term. But today, uh, Latinx is a term that has caught, has gained popularity in the brown spanish-speaking community i personally don't identify with that term i don't feel the need to because i feel like again it represents something else that doesn't represent me but even 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 chicano has has become chicanx right and again that's an, again another thing that doesn't represent me for many reasons 
Uh, but anywho, I wanted to share this video because, again, uh, today there's a lot of folks who are wanting to have unity. They want to have some kind of consensus. But the reason why we don't have that is because all of these little groups focus on their individual agendas. And the only time where we really had a movement that was actually causing damage or, or, or moving forward was when everybody put aside those ideas or really wasn't even aware of them. And the movement was focused on, again, those things. Today, if we can do that, I think we could have a powerful movement again. But until we do that, until we find a word that defines everybody, that everybody's okay with, and until we decide, okay, these are the things we want to focus on, I don't think we can actually have a movement like this again. But again, I wanted to share this video to, to show you the, the, the rise and also the decline of the Chicano movement. On that note, this is Flo, Rasa Stan, take a stand to understand. Peace out. I don't want to die, oh no, let my soul go Love.